Greetings and welcome to Pops Collection, where we dissect and reflect on a movie or TV show from my Pops Collection. I'm Ron Tweedy, joining me as Pops, and today we're going to be talking about X2, X-Men United. That's true. Hello, everybody. Glad to, I would say see you, but I'm not seeing you. But anyways, I hope that you are got your coffee and you're ready to kick back and relax and hear some about a decent movie (laughs) yeah well it actually you know sequels aren't always as good as the originals true you know but in this case Mm -hmm. we have same directors same producers right they've already been through it once true and what he did with his uh, $75 million budget on X1, mm-hmm. uh, he basically did, mm, let's say, as much as an extra $50 million. He was able to push that to over $400 million in the box office. So, uh-huh. not bad. Yeah. And uh, unlike before, we've talked about this before. Yeah. But in that over 400 million, that does not include DVD sales. When actually when it was released on DVD, right. It earned over 107 million dollars in the first 5 days that it was released on DVD. Right. So I mean, it highly anticipated very very good movie, a great sequel I would say in comparison. Mhm. And good story. Very good story. Mm-hmm. What about you? Yeah, I, yeah. I remember liking it a lot more the first time I saw it. So there's that. Um, but you you are uh, right that in general sequels t- typically tend to perform uh, less than the original. For some very notable exceptions. I mean, I can think of. I mean, just the Thor series in general. The third movie is far superior to the first two which is interesting but but yeah uh it, it it's it's a different kind of story and i think it's in some ways it's different in some ways i think it is the same and we have very few new characters added to the mix and uh, we have a lot of the same issues that the first movie dealt with come up here, but I think that the analogies uh, are intended to be very different. So when we get to those, uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that. So, but yeah, it, it focuses more about Wolverine, which uh, is not surprising given the fact that he is probably the most popular uh, character from the X-Men, which I just remember growing up, like the kids, they didn't even call him Wolverine. They just called him X-Man, right? That was kind of it. He was like, you know, the prototypical thing. And he was definitely the most popular character in the in the cartoon from the 90s as well. So, Well, let's face it. His costume was different from everybody else's. You know, um, he... Uh, yeah, I guess. Well... Well, I would say, you know, just looking at the... It, it depends on the, the version. That That's one thing about that. That's the, true. Because the X-Men have... I mean, let's just face it, uh, one of the things about the whole X-Men universe is that 
you know, these characters have been around for now almost 80 years, right? And so yes, you've got ton, yes. tons of characters, tons of costumes, tons of the iterations of, you know, and then we have different even, you know, spin-off universes where, you know, you've got Ultimate X-Men, that's a totally different universe. So there's there's all kinds of things going on there. But what I would say is that um yeah, everybody likes Wolverine. I I do think that's that's they wanted to play up to that and I I don't uh, begrudge them for saying. In fact, you know, as as we'll eventually get to, I think at some point, you know, it gave him three spin-off movies of his own, right? So, there's that. Yes, and uh what I think that this this kind of just movie just kind of wet your whistle. Uh-huh. As far as you were getting a little bit of an origin, when we get a little bit further yeah. into the movie, right, right, we learn, we start learning little bits and pieces about Wolverine, yeah, and about who Logan really was, right, and uh, but suffice it to say, we really don't get the whole story until you watch. X-Men Origins Wolverine. Right. And to the filmmaker's credits, uh, that is actually very similar to the comic. He was this character that was shrouded in mystery for when he actually came over to the X-Men. So it, it might be helpful for us to talk a little bit about that. So okay. we did mention it, I think, in passing last week that Wolverine started out actually as a character in the Incredible Hulk book uh, as a Canadian special agent. And then really where he hit his stride was they had this uh, special book called Giant Size X-Men. And that was in 1975, I think, somewhere in the 70s. And basically the idea was is that, you know, we've had this uh, X-Men book that was kind of languishing a little bit, you know, obviously created by uh, Lee and Kirby. But, uh, you know, they kind of the stories got kind of stale. They want to introduce new characters. And so basically this giant size X-Men book was, you know, they wanted to introduce not only new X-Men, but also uh, mutants from all over the world. Right. And it was a different writer and different artist. Right. That, yeah, exactly. And, you know, that was kind of the springboard that Chris Claremont used to you know start his run. Because it happened just before Chris Claremont took over the book. So Yes, yes, just uh, before. Exactly. So, you know, you had the new characters introduced, and that was like, uh, you had, uh, obviously, Wolverine. You had Storm, Nightcrawler, and Colossus. Those were kind of like the new characters. And then, obviously, they're from, uh, uh, obviously, Canada for Wolverine, Nightcrawler, Germany, Colossus, Russia. Colossus, Russia. And uh, Storm is in North Africa. So... Um, right, Aurora. Yeah, right, exactly. So we, we've actually already seen, with the exception of Colossus, we've seen all these characters in the first movie. So, uh, well, there sorry, are too. a few. Yeah, half of them. We've seen half of them in the, in the, in the first movie. So Yes, yes, because uh, there are actually, even though we get some of the characters, yeah. very uh, a limited... A view of some of the characters, the younger characters especially. Yeah. And then the uh, rogue and the teenagers, we get a little bit more of them. Right. In this particular uh, version, X2. Yes, that's right. 
So yeah, uh, and I do, and we get some new villains too. We do. Uh, well, actually, yeah, just yeah, one main new villain, and then kind of his henchwoman, I guess you could say. Yeah, and this one is interesting. We it, it really is from a source material standpoint, not like any. Uh, they're, they're borrowing these characters, but the way that they interact in the comic is very different than what they've done in the movie. Like William Stryker, we're going to talk a lot about. And in the original book, he was introduced in a graphic novel for X-Men. Uh, it's called um, God Loves, Man Kills. Yes, yes. And he plays a preacher instead of a military person, even though he did have a military background in the book as well. But his he, he creates this I, I would say it's a cult of anti mutant sentiment and he misuses the word of God to persecute mutants and that is an interesting angle on it uh, that you know we probably I probably could spend a whole episode just talking about how he misuses the scripture in that graphic novel which is um, interesting but that is very interesting yeah. Uh, well, we could also say, too, that his hench person, yeah. which is uh, Lady Deathstrike. Right. She's never called that in the, the film, but yeah, it is Deathstrike. Never, yeah. ever. And uh, basically, they tried to make her in the movie to yeah. be a mutant. Yes. Whereas in the comic books, it, especially one of the stories, she's a cyborg. Interesting. Yes, uh, and she's actually gone through a number of different changes. And at, in one book, uh, she was actually part of a team with Wolverine. Yes. They were like, uh, I don't know, mercenaries maybe, I guess you would call them. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a ton of backstory there that I did not have the time to get into. But you're absolutely right that there there is a, supposed to be a history there between them. And I think I want to say that Frank Miller was involved in some of that Wolverine stuff. Some of it, yes. Yeah, yeah. so obviously, yes. you know, how much I love Frank Miller, that's a, a cool thing, so. Oh, yes. Yeah, well, here, the, a little bit of the story, we actually, we maybe will wait to get into it a okay. little bit. Uh, because it does have a pretty cool story, and actually, the actress who plays Lady, Lady Deathstrike has a really, really, really rich comic book uh she does a lot of comic book acting okay actually it took almost a page to write down everything so i mean i'm serious she's like really there wow and this starts off to be another bad guy which he's really not a bad guy because the movie starts off we're in washington i Uh think correct Yes, yes, right. that's right. At, at yeah. the uh, White House. White House. Yes. And we see a guy in shades and a trench coat. Right. And a baseball cap. And I'm thinking, with all of that Secret Service there, wait a minute, dude. I don't think we can let you in dressed yeah. like that. Yeah, really? A, Come yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know, and normally... When I see stuff like that, I would just excuse it saying, oh, it was a pre-9-11 era, but this came out in 2003, so there's no excuse at this point. That is true. Yes. So. But uh, we get introduced to a new character. Right. Right off the bat. Right. And I I do want to mention that 
That was uh, one of the interesting things uh, on the special features on the DVD. Yeah. Actually, there were two DVDs to it. Right. Was they did a time-lapsed photography of the makeup for Nightcrawler. Right. Okay. Yeah. Which is the character that we see. Right. And the actor actually, by the end of the movie, yeah, he said uh, that if there was going to be another movie, that they would definitely have to rework the contract. Yeah. Because from what they said, it took every day, it took six hours or over six hours, depending upon how yeah. cooperative the actor was. Yeah. To put the makeup on. Yeah, the, nowadays, they, yeah, they would just make it CG at this point. So it, it, he probably wouldn't have to do all that makeup now. So No, but... For better or for to, worse. Yes, you have to admit that, uh, and I have to say this, that, you know, Singer did a lot of things out of the box here mm-hmm. um, that really made the movie more believable. There were things, a lot of things that weren't CG. Right. Uh, you know, like the uh, Lake Alkali. Yep, yep. That whole thing was all done. They found like a 200 square foot Yeah, you can warehouse, tell. Yeah. You know, that it was all built up. And, yep, yep. You know, the water pressure and the dam bursting, all that stuff was like, uh, like I think the dam was like twenty eight foot high. Yep. Yep. Or something like that. Yeah, I could so, tell that they really did do practical effects because they spent, I think, from a a shooting standpoint, they spent a lot of film saying, "Okay, we're actually going to show you exactly how this dam's going to break." I'm like, "Okay, this is completely practical effects because they wouldn't spend as much time on it if it wasn't a practical effect." That's true. Yeah. So yes, I can see that. So our movie starts out with a guy running and then disappearing, then running and right. then disappearing and going down this aisle and that aisle. Right. And uh, we get the impression because he's going to attack the president. Yeah. That he is part of the Brotherhood of Mutants. I think. Yeah, I think you're yeah. le- you're led to believe that. That it makes sense. And and the other part of it is that you have uh, this, and that that is actually the character of Nightcrawler. We we you know haven't really talked a whole lot about him, but again, he was introduced in Giant Size X Men, and you know the idea behind Nightcrawler is that he's this uh, demonic looking character, and so you have these assumptions about him. Oh yeah, he's got to be a bad guy, but in the reality, we find out he's actually. The, he's like the opposite he's not even just like a neutral character he's actually someone who is uh, a man of faith and trying to pursue yes. holiness and it's it's fascinating and i'm glad that they did uh bring that out of the character yeah yeah i was surprised like i don't think they would do that in an mcu movie they haven't yet and they you know we've, we've had 23 of them so that's true so but he was and he uh the, all of the marks on his face and his body had to deal with sin. Right. You know, and uh, he was all about professing that, right. you know, and I, I thought it was wonderful. And what we found out uh, eventually that he was there and attacking 
the president because he was brainwashed. Exactly, yeah. So so we know that he wasn't a bad... We learn that he wasn't a bad guy. Exactly. He actually gets shot as he's getting ready to what looks like stab the president. Yes. With a knife. And right. that there's like a little red tag on the knife. When he gets shot, he drops the knife. Yes, yeah, it says mutant freedom disappears. now. Disappears. Yes. Yeah. So... We jump from there to a museum. Right. You know, and uh, it seems like we have everybody on a field trip. That's exactly what it is, yeah. Uh, You know, and uh, this is where we first, uh, now we see Jean Grey, and they're starting to develop a little story with her because she's struggling with her powers now. Yeah, yeah. So that that is something that uh, we did not see at all in the first film. You know, that basically no. Jean Grey was, her character primarily was just to be one of the corners of the love triangle between uh, Cyclops and Wolverine, right? That was kind of the main thing about her in the first film. Yes. But. And we do get a little bit of exploration on that in this film, too. Yes. But. Yeah, and that's, you know, very standard fare for what happens in the comics. It's also very consistent, and in the cartoon for that matter, so. Yes, yes. So we have some interaction there with the teenagers. Right, right. Um, and then we get to see, uh, basically, it's Rogue, Iceman, Iceman yeah. and Pyro. Right. Uh, we do get to see a little bit of Jubilee in there. A okay. little bit, but not much. Right. Uh, actually, I think it was in a deleted scene that Jubilee was there. I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't see it, so I only watched the the theatrical. Well, cut. because I told you how your mom uh, dealt with the first one, I watched it during the day, and I actually sat through the complete yeah. features on the first disc and the whole second disc of features. So wow. Wow. an extra five or six hours of. Different things. So I learned a lot of interesting things, a lot, a plethora of useless knowledge that'll be stuck in my mind forever. But yeah. uh, to that point, we had an opportunity, uh, Pyro, to uh, kind of step out of the box and we kind of got to see a little bit of his nature. Yeah. And the he allowed himself by he was being pushed by some kids and instead of right. him you know turning the other cheek he uh caused the little kid to go on the the teenager to go on fire and then right. Iceman had to put out the fire and then everybody was frozen right and uh it was a teaching moment for Dr. Xavier right uh we went from there to back to school yes and uh, if I'm not mistaken, Xavier believes that the attack was caused somehow by Magneto. Right, yeah. Or he Mystique. Is, exactly. So, yeah, he, he, he and Cyclops are going to go visit to confirm those suspicions. And Logan is just returning from Alkali Lake where he couldn't find anything, any answers. You know, that was, that was the end of the first movie. They gave him a lead. He goes, follows the lead, and he just sees nothing but a, an empty destroyed facility so he comes back and xavier's like hey i'm gonna take 
Uh, me and Scott are going to go visit Magneto. We're going to send Storm and Rogue, not Storm and Jean, to pick up the would-be assassin, and you get to watch over the kids. Right, you're going to babysit. Right, and <clears throat> what we uh, from that point we get a flash to the Oval Office. Yes, and what we have is uh, we. This is where we meet uh, Striker. Right. And we also have uh, Senator Kelly there, too. Yes. Although not really Senator Kelly. Right. Senator Kelly in quotation marks. Right. Yes. Mystique is there. Right. She's trying to find out where Magneto is. Yes. And Stryker has... We really get to see his I don't prejudice, I guess you could say it. Sure. He has a, a really... Devout hate for mutants. Yeah. And uh, we don't know why at this time, but right. he convinces the president that uh, Xavier's school is more than what it seems to be. He's got a photo of the jet underneath. He's told he can go investigate. Right. But to be careful because they don't want no dead mutant kids on the six o'clock news or something. Yes. But we now see Kelly and Stryker in one of the hallways, and and Kelly's trying to find out where Magneto is. Yep. And uh, we hear Stryker, you know, spout out something about it's already a war. Right, exactly. And you could see even more his hatred now. You know, so he thought that, you know, originally it was like, well, you know, Kelly, I thought you were on my side kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas he sees him changing. But so now things are falling in, into place. We've got Scott and X going to see Magneto. Yep. Striker going to set up a sting or whatever you want to call it where he's going to yes. yeah. raid the, the school. Right. Uh, we've got Gene... And Storm going in the X-Jet right. to look for the culprit, or at this time, because they really don't know who it is. Right. We just got a bunch of different things going on. Logan looking for a beer, no beer. Right. You know, and he actually sees some different uh, of the kids. He's watching the kids. He can't sleep. Right. One of the kids doesn't sleep. He blinks his eyes to change the channel on the TV. and Yeah. Uh, things start going down real fast. Yeah. I think here. Yeah. Yeah. There's, so parts of it is, yeah. So like you said, strikers, goons show up to, uh, assault the place. Right. And so the school, yes. yeah, exactly. The school, they show up, the older kids kind of help the younger kids get away. Some of them are captured and right. We do get to meet Colossus. Right, exactly. He's kind of the one to help the little kids escape. And uh, the ones that aren't, then you had this other group, which is Logan, Bobby, Iceman, uh, John, Pyro, and Rogue. Uh, they escape a different way. and Right, and they're trying to help too because uh, yeah. Logan has one of the the little boy that blinked his eyes or whatever. He got... Right, uh, he, yeah, he gave him to Colossus after tranked. he rescued him. Yeah. He was tranked. Yeah. 
which is interesting because he said he doesn't sleep. And so his eyes were open, but he was, you know, incapacitated. So it was right. He was knocked out. Yeah. What we did get to see, though, or what uh, Bobby got to see was Wolverine at his most vicious. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say most vicious, but. Well, pretty vicious. That's right. Yeah, I, I, I think he's pretty. Uh, our subdued. listeners will have to get to the movie Logan to oh see. Oh my him gosh, most vicious. Yeah, uh, yeah. We should. Yeah, we'll save that for another time. So yeah, he he also comes face to face with Stryker. Uh, Logan does, and you know, he, uh, Stryker kind of reveals that he knows more about Logan's past, and so Logan wanted to get more information from him, but. Uh, Rogue and the rest of the teenagers said, hey, we need you, actually, because, you know, we don't know what we're yeah, doing. Iceman puts an ice wall between them. Yeah, so they escape using uh, Scott's car, and they get away, the other guys get away, and then we find out what the real intention was for Stryker being there is because he wanted to get parts from Cerebro because, uh, as we found out in a previous scene that we didn't really go through, Mystique finds out plans for this other facility and this thing called Cerebro 2. And so, you know. Oh, that's true. Yes. And we also, at the same time this is going on, we learn Charles visits Magneto in his glass prison. Right. And we find out that uh, Magneto was also being brainwashed in order to get information about the school Exactly. Um, And he learns that uh, they, Magneto, had to give it all up. And now we have Lady Deathstrike and the other guards at the prison that are going to take Xavier and Cyclops. Yes, exactly. Yep. So they're so they're being they're being taken there. Right. Striker is at the mansion to get parts for Cerebro. Yep. Uh, because we had learned that they were going to have a second Cerebro. Yes. Somewhere. Yep. And then you have uh, Gene and Storm uh, end up in Boston tracking down Nightcrawler. They find him in an old church. And you know that's kind of where we get a little bit more information about him. And then we they find out that he was brainwashed as well. And so there seems to yes. be a pat- pattern there. And so... Uh, uh, Wolverine and crew decide to meet up with Gene and Storm in Boston. And so. Right. Well, first, yes. And uh, Bobby or Iceman says that that's where his family is. Right. Exactly. So they're going to try to hide out there until they can figure out what's going on. And so they get there. They get to Bobby's uh, family's house. And one thing that Bobby did reveal is that he, they don't know that he's a mutant and that the school is for mutant children. Right. And we also learned that Professor Logan is a professor of art. Yeah. See, I think history would have been such a better thing because, you know. Yes, he really is. Right. Exactly. Uh, So I I think that would have been such a better uh, fitting descriptor. But that's okay. It's not really that big of a deal. Um, Right. It's not. But but this, this scene where parents get home they find out the truth this is the part that i wanted to talk about because you know we talked about i thought you would yeah of course uh (laughs) um because they 
uh, you know, we talked about the first movie and how Chris Claremont was consulted about the story. And, you know, basically he's saying that this was an allegory for racism and how the mutants are a different race and, you know, trying to overcome prejudice about that and how the people who are being uh, prejudged, how they respond to it. And so you kind of have two sides of the same coin, whatever. Now what we see here, and I think there is a clear, and it it is, we do have uh, evidence for authorial intent that now the mutant thing is now a euphemism for homosexuality. And we do have to say that uh, Brian Singer himself is, he's gay. And Sir Ian McKellen, who plays Magneto, is also um and you know he apparently helped out with this scene where bobby quote unquote comes out to his parents and you can tell that it is very very intentional uh the parents reaction the things that the parents say like this is really a total euphemism here oh yes definitely and I, to to me it's like i really feel like the responses are like this like straw man like nobody really would be like i i don't know T- to me it just seemed like it was very stilted and one-sided and really it was almost it was propagandist if if i could say that i think i think it was well when the thing is that if you have a certain point of view and you are going to want to somehow sometimes if your point of view is not necessarily the, I want to make sure I put this the correct way. If it's not the majority point of view, yeah, and it may have a derogatory uh, point to it, sometimes there's an attempt to justify that view. Yeah. I mean, have you ever tried not being a mutant? Right, exactly. That's my point. And, and that's the other you thing know, that really, really bothers me is that because I, I think we don't we need to be very careful about to make this distinction. Right. Because the right. difference, the difference is nature versus or maybe not nature is not the right word, but like um, characteristic versus behavior. Right. That that is the key difference that we the distinction that's not being made there. That exactly like to say that homosexuals are oppressed in the same way as blacks were oppressed is offensive because like that is something totally different. Like not you, even close. Right. And the, the fact is, is that uh, the Bible does tell us that it's it's the behavior and not nece- it's not it's not a you know characteristic that is the condemnable offense. Right. I mean, we do want to say that those. Uh, desires are disordered, right? They're not, you know, they're not lining up with God's created order, but that's correct. At the same time, the thing is, and we should, you know, definitely say that Paul in his letter to the Corinthians chapter six, it says that such were some of you and, but you've washed, you know, sanctified, justified in the name of Jesus. And so, you know, just because you have an inclination or you behaved a certain way doesn't mean that there's no hope for you, right? That's what the the gospel is. It it goes in and transforms you. The work of Christ, uh, you know, transforms you into a new creation. And so, that's exactly um, yeah. There so, is always hope, and there's, you know, that's the thing where uh, I think a lot of people they struggle with the fact that 
we are we're all sinners right well we're all under condemnation mm-hmm. we're only saved by the grace of God it's his gift it's not anything that we can purchase right or anything that we can work towards right it's given to us freely yes and a lot of people struggle with that or they struggle even coming to that point because yeah oh if you only knew what i did right you know you wouldn't even talk to me well no that's not true right exactly jesus will put his loving arms around you he loves you and it's only through his power right can we be successful against our struggles right and the other part of it is that we might have what we we all have a sin nature just manifests itself differently right and yes the the thing is like you don't have to be defined by your sinful nature that that's not who you are especially in christ like you are a new creation you don't have to be defined by that anymore and you know you take on that identity of who you are in christ and then he will transform you you know it, it it's not an overnight process i mean sometimes it can be drastically overnight and you're just a new person but you know for most of us it's a ongoing process it's a fancy word we use a fancy word called sanctification for that right and yes so so the point is is that with i think this is an undue analogy because we talked about it's a behavior thing and not necessarily an identity thing and right and and then we get a different perspective of that when the police show up yeah that's for sure. Yeah, and the thing is, like, I I, I think that there is a, a there actually is a way to tell that story correctly, but I'm thinking that I need to save that for something else because it's kind of outside the scope of what we're talking about here. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, you're right. Uh, the the brother of Bobby, he calls the cops. They show up, and this is kind of where we see uh John Pyro uh, really kind of go crazy. And uh, really take his power and use it to, you know, part of it, I guess it is a a form of defense, but not, uh, it it is kind of, because I think he's a teenager, he's kind of, it's out of control as well, right? Right. Well, that's why they're supposedly at the school. Yes, uh, yes. This is uh, what I was, my point was going to be is that they were getting ready to walk out Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, Logan is with the teenagers yeah and you have two police officers on each side and they're telling him yeah put down the knives yeah and he's like i can't right you know and so that again is almost another analogy to you know the police telling somebody hey you know right put it down i am who i am well Okay, you know, um, it's that that is more of I think could be a uh, an analogy to racism than the other one. Well, I, well, he could have retracted those claws at that point, right? Maybe, maybe I don't know. Yeah, I mean, because obviously, you know, if he well, can't put them down, he could. Well, if he could have retracted them, then yeah. 
my, my, my point is, is that, and we do know because of the aforementioned Logan film that uh, he's going to have trouble getting him back out. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. Uh, so anyway, uh, you know, things go down really, really badly. And as everything is happening, all the bullets are getting fired at them. And lo and behold, the bullets are magically not hitting anybody. And that's due to uh, Magneto and, um, right? Is that is that the point where they could show up? I think it is, right? No, no. No, because they... Oh, they uh, or is it Gene that, that intervenes? I forget. Yes, because it, the jet comes there. Yeah, okay. All right. I stand corrected. Because the jet's going to pick them up. Or, uh, yes, yes, because yeah, yeah, that's right. where yeah, we right. get Pyro blowing up all those police cars. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, those stunts... Yeah. Pretty incredible. I have to mention the car that went flying through the air. Yeah, yeah. And and did the flip. They had some this uh, like two thousand pound disc that took them like fifteen minutes for it to get up enough revolutions for them to do that. Mm-hmm. It was like totally crazy, and again, it just added to the realness of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But uh, uh, that, we go from that to them getting in the jet. Right, right. Yeah, and Storm uses and, the, the wind to pull out the, put out the fires. Yeah, I remember that part. Yeah. Yes, yes. And okay. then we had... Uh, but, and then the other part is that while all that's happening, you have Mystique busting out Magneto, right? At the same time. Yeah, well, she... Found the guards' names, and she injected one of the guards with liquid metal. Iron, yeah. Iron, liquid, yeah. Too much iron in his system. Exactly, yeah. And yeah, that was that was pretty gruesome. The uh, what happened to the, the the guard? Right. That the escape sequence for that was pretty. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I thought it was cool. That was that was well done. Yes, definitely. The whole thing was like. It just made him be the more vicious. Yeah. Um, and while that happens, and the jet's getting away, next thing you know, the jet is, the X-jet is being, uh, there's a couple other jets uh, flying yeah. with it and telling right. them it has to turn around. So yep. we had this interesting scene with Storm making all these little tornadoes. Yep, yep. And then somehow... Gene is, uh, again, another scene that I think was cut, but Gene was having an issue with her powers again. Yeah, no, well, we see the uh, there was some fire in her eyes, and she was able to stop one of the missiles, but the second missile actually ended up striking the ship. Right, which it looked like it was going to crash. Right. And then we get the X-Men United. Right, yeah, yeah. Then we get Magneto coming in to save the day. Right, and so we have a uh, interesting scene. We have the young kids. Yep. We now have Nightcrawler. Right. With them, Nightcrawler and Mystique. Right. And uh, an interesting thing I uh, found out there was this little. Uh, there's a little part where Magneto is talking. With Nightcrawler. Yeah. And I guess there's some stories or some people that want to say that Mystique 
is his mother. Have you heard that? Um, not mis- not with uh, Nightcrawler, no. Isn't that interesting? I yeah. It was one of the uh, special features things they talked about. Yeah, I'm sure there was a storyline where that's the case. I know in the animated series that Mystique's actually kind of like the adopted mother of Rogue, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. So, anyways, now we get all them people together. Right. That Yeah, basically everybody else is together except with the exception of Scott and the professor. They're, they've been taken hostage in Stryker's thing, uh, his little hideout. They figure out where it is. It's basically the same place Logan was except that it's underground. Right. So they decide that, hey, they need to go in there. They need to stop Stryker. They need to rescue the professor and... Uh, so they, they decide to, Logan has said that he's going to go in alone because he knows that Stryker won't hurt him because they want to get him back. So I guess they could do some more experimentation on him. And so then we have quote unquote Wolverine infiltrating instead of Wolverine, right? Yes, because they need to get to some computers. Right. And even if. Wolverine had his claws. He really wouldn't know how to deal with a computer. Yeah, I guess that might be it. But yeah, so Mystique goes in as Wolverine. She gets found out pretty quick and then successful, lets everybody else in. And then we go into like three different tasks for this mission. You've got uh, Storm and Nightcrawler going to go rescue the children. Gene's going to go after Xavier and Scott and try to rescue them. And then Logan's going to go after Stryker. And then Raven and Eric are going to go after Cerebro. So that's kind of like the the main th- uh, areas that everybody's going to split up and right. try to get done. And uh, we do, I think we should mention uh, that this has been Stryker's plan all along. Yes. Uh, Stryker has a son. Yes. Who, who's a mutant. Yes. And he has manipulated yep. Xavier the whole time in his mind. Right. He is like a way more powerful mutant. And we hear this story from Stryker and why he is so anti-mutant. Yes. And his whole idea is that he wants Charles to locate all the mutants. Right. And, and th- he's going to have his son. Yeah. Make it so that they kill all the mutants. Yeah, exactly. And that actually is what happens in the graphic novel, you know, God Loves, Man Kills, is that they ca- he captures uh, Professor X and he has them use Cerebro to target all of the mutants to try to kill them with this, you know, psionic energy. And so that that's also very accurate. That, that plot point's very accurate to the book. The right, and that's why he was holding the kids, the kid mutants. Right, exactly. And in the book, Stryker did have a son who was a mutant, but it wasn't. He wasn't like alive. Like he he was so horrified that his son was a mutant when he was born. He actually ended up getting into a car accident and you know killing his son there and his wife. So it's 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 pretty tragic. Uh, in in the book, it's much more uh, disturbing, but. We find out that the son was also a former student of Xavier. and Right, and he blames Charles right. for, uh, in this version, yeah. he feels that Charles 
uh, should have cured his son right. of being a mutant. Right. And he blames Charles. Yeah. Also, we hear this story about uh, the son manipulating them and right. his wife right. taking a power drill to her temple right, to exactly. get him out of her head. Right. And to me, I think that this actually does bring up a, you know, I was going to say character flaw, but I think it's something a little bit more sinister than that with Xavier, you know, because we have now two instances. The first instance is uh, Bobby not, then both him, him not being honest with his parents about who he really was and the school being complicit in that, you know, so Xavier's like, you know, purposefully deceiving the parents thinking that this is some sort of like, you know, fancy boarding school and that's it. And then the other part of it is, I, I guess he wasn't upfront with Stryker about what he was intending to do with his son. I, I'm sure that Xavier never had the intention to quote unquote curing any type of mutant illness. But if he wasn't upfront with Stryker about that, then I don't think Stryker would have let his son go to him at all, you know? So, well, I think that Stryker's expectations were different from Xavier's. I think Xavier's expectations right. were, but my point to, is for him to, uh, hone his powers. Yeah, but my point is, is that if you're not upfront about that with the parent, that's wrong. That's my point. Like, I don't think if Stryker knew, hey, this is not a place to cure mutants, he wouldn't have sent him there. You're probably right, but where would he have put him? I don't know. We don't know how that story would have gone. Would he have killed him himself? Who knows? We don't know. But but so so to me, I think that's something that I did not like about xavier like i think that and i don't think the comic does this i think it does portray him a little bit more as being honest because that's the thing it's like you know you got to be upfront about those things especially if you know you're a parent and you want to put your child in some sort of educational environment if you don't know exactly what's going on there that's really messed up you know? yeah it's not good so anyway well, i would agree with that 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 situation uh i don't it, it just goes to prove that He's human like the rest of us, you know, and he makes mistakes. That's not a mistake. Uh, That's intentional. Well, it's one of those things that he he could have done it with good intentions, but good intentions are it's honesty is the best policy. Right. right? Exactly. But in this case, and we don't know that maybe Bobby did not want his parents to know. That that's not. I don't think that's relevant at all. I don't know if uh, you're coming to our school. You know, yes, I I want to come to your school, but I don't want my parents to know. I don't know. How can you? I I, I guess that's. I mean, the, he if, wouldn't come to the. Bobby wouldn't have come to the school if. You know, if his parents, you know, hey, you know, they're going to teach me how to be a better mutant. Well, can't you just try not being a mutant? Yeah, I don't know. Well, that's the thing. To me, it's like it it would be one thing if he was an adult, right? But because he's still a child, you know, he's still a minor. He's still in the care of his parents. They deserve to know. That's true. So that's that's just my point. Anyway, so... Well, we're getting into uh, part of, of the canon, or, or actually one of the canons, about how that the X gene, yeah, it, it affects 
affects teenagers. And you don't know if you're going to have that gene until you become a teenager. Right. So for whatever reason, the book doesn't say or says that it doesn't reveal itself until, right. you know, you go into puberty. So Right. Yeah, no, it's fine. But anyway, so that, that all happens. Yeah, let's just let's just wrap this up because yeah, there's a lot of action sequences. A great Lady Lady Deathstrike Wolverine. Fight. Yeah. Oh my god, that yeah. was excellent. Yeah, so that that happens. Wolverine's eventually successful. They rescue the kids. They get out, and you know, as Jean rescues Scott and the professor, they're mind controlled, and so uh, Scott you know helps blow up the dam uh unintentionally <laughs> and you know he starts these things start leaking or whatever they get out uh you know storm and nightcrawler uh rescue the professor they get they get him right. out of the mind control and then uh well bef- yeah and then at that point magneto says hey guess what you know how <laughs> or you know through through raven transforming into striker it's like hey you know you were targeting all the mutants guess what now you get to target all the the regular people so um yeah so that that ends up happening they stop him just in time they get out and they get get back on the x-jet to leave and uh the dam breaks and they're about to no power yeah exactly power in the jet right so they're up they're about to die and so uh, gene realizes that she can save them at the cost of her own life. And so she gets out there. She uses her telekinesis to not only repair the jet, but also to keep the rushing water at bay so they won't completely be destroyed by the, the rushing right. water. And she actually lifts the jet yes. out of the, off the ground. Exactly. It almost reminded me of Yoda for a yes. minute there. Yeah, definitely. And so, yeah, she loses her life. She's gone and they get away. And so... They, you know, uh, things go, kind of go back to normal and they go uh, talk to the president, you know, kind of revealing the whole story and, you know, try to hopefully forge a path ahead that leads to peace between mutants and mankind. And uh, from there, we kind of get a monologue or narration from Jean over the Alkali Lake where uh, her body presumably is and we see the shape of a, a phoenix in the water right no uh no teasers in any of these x-men movies no no and that pretty much was the teaser there yeah yeah i'd say so you know but all i know is when i saw that originally Mm -hmm. in my mind i'm like this story's not over well yeah (laughs) you know and uh course as well as it did mm-hmm. again with uh financially it you know made lots and lots of money right you know did really really well and uh singer did he did a lot of interesting things with the cameras using like a yeah. panoramic screen camera to shoot like a wide screen and then shooting uh with different styles and using the cameras that really weren't designed for those things to make yep. them seem different. It was really, really good. They built a lot of sets. Uh, they did a lot of interesting things. Mm. Uh, 
definitely a lot of the fight scenes. Yep. And also uh, the beginning part where you have Nightcrawler jumping around on the sides of the walls and stuff. All yep. that stuff was done with ropes and uh, people doing the stunts. Actually, Rogue did a few of her own stunts, too. So right. it was kind of interesting. Yeah. But they did an excellent job with the photography. Agreed. And uh, also, Lady Deathstrike, I told you a long list of things that she has done in yeah. the comic book field, Kelly Hugh. Yep. Her, Of course, her most famous uh, role is uh, Stacy Hirano. Okay. You know who that is, right? Uh-uh. You don't? No. Really? Phineas and Ferb? Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yes. She. <laughs> I'm just saying that because I know yeah. the boys. Yeah. Everybody likes Phineas and Ferb now. But no, that's true. That's true. Stacy. Anytime you look at Stacy now, you can think of Lady Deathstrike. Okay. All right then. <laughs> Got it. Uh, but really, she was on Arrow. She was a voice on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Afro Samurai, Batman, Green Lantern, uh, just incredible amount of things that she did voiceovers for and actually roles that she played. Uh, so definitely she has a good comic book uh, history, I'm going to say. Yep. So now that I've said that, yep. where do we go from here? Uh, do, you know, I mean, yeah. where? what do you think? I mean, I feel like we covered yeah we did the things that we wanted to talk about yep uh yep. today uh but like i said the story's not over no it's not certainly not so are shall we do last stand yeah absolutely yeah we're gonna have to yeah we have to right yeah agreed although if they that didn't do so well. It wouldn't. Have, it isn't the last stand. But yeah. Anyways, uh, yes, I'm gonna say that uh, it's time to rate the movie. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think I went first last time, but I'm gonna go first this time too. Okay, that's fine. Only because I can. Yeah. I am the pops. Gotcha. And uh, I am going to rate this movie. Uh, I wanted to say nine, but I'm going to go eight on it. Uh, there were a few things that uh, I felt could have been done better, but I, unlike you, I like this movie better this time oh. than I did the last time. Wow. So that's it. Okay. What about you? Uh, I'm going to give it a 7.5. So um, I do think it is better than the, the first film. But uh, like I said, I think it's only slightly better now i used to think it was much better um thing and the other part is obviously i've been spoiled by a lot of the other movies that have come out you know uh, since then 17 years you know so yeah yeah it's fine and i i do say i will say that the second trilogy is the other part i've been spoiled by not necessarily the uh mcu movies i'm just looking at it from a x-man canon there's that okay so you're talking about the prequels actually yeah, yeah, uh, I, I, yeah. Well, we'll talk about those when we get to them. But 
you know, I do think. Right. That, and we have not talked and we haven't talked about the Wolverine, but right. to your, you have not seen any of the Wolverine movies other than Logan. Yeah. I've only seen Logan. Right. So I think I'm going to bring origins up when I see you. Yeah. I think the next. Wolverine is on Disney plus now, so I could watch that. Right. Well, that is kind of interesting that you mentioned that. Okay. Because I believe that that part of the story uh, may be part of the canon with Lady Deathstrike and and Logan. Yeah, okay. It has uh, some flair to it, and I'll discuss that with you uh, when I see you. Okay, cool. Good deal. All right. So I'm going to say that's a wrap. Yeah, definitely. All right. So thank you for joining us for another episode of Pops Collection. Uh, if you have any feedback, email us at popscollectionpodcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. And next week, we will talk about X3, The Last Stand. Goodbye and God bless. Goodbye, God bless, and tell your friends. <laughs>